0: What is up, everybody? This is Ryan here with Scale Up Show. I got a founder named Gil Alush, who is the founder and CEO of metadata.io, has five patents in AI, came from a system engineering background, then went into marketing, automated that, created a product out of it, and is doing some awesome work for really, really big companies leveraging AI and marketing. You're not going to miss this. Check it out. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to The Scale-Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I'm a very special guest with me today. I have Gil Alush, who is the founder and CEO of Metadata which he founded to make demand generation easy for non-technical marketers. Some really cool things about Gil is he's got five AI autonomous marketing patents, which is really cool. Also works with companies like Drift, Zoom, UiPath, Udacity, plus a hundred others to rely on Metadata.io to generate Pipeline. Gil, welcome. Happy to have you on the show, man.
1: Thank you for having me. Great to be here.
0: Yes, I am excited because uh, Pipeline is one of the age old problems that people have and, it's amazing that your company solves that, especially in the high ACV realm. So really excited to get through your backstory and kind of how you got to this point, because it sounds like you're doing some amazing things. Before we do that, though, I want to do a real quick revenue rundown. So where are you guys at in terms of your stages of the journey, in terms of your ARR?
1: We are, I would say, between in the 10 to 20, uh, closer to 20 in ARR.
0: Okay, excellent. And then with your go-to-market strategy, your primary go-to-market strategy, for revenue growth. What do, you, what do you leverage as an organization for that?
1: You may imagine we use our own platform and our platform generates about 70, 75% of our pipeline is generated by using our, our own machine. And then uh, it used to be like 90, but we realized that it's crazy. Uh, it's not like standard at all. And we wanted to start building uh, an outbound muscle. And so recently we started kind of doing more and more outbound. Um, So that's about 25% of the pipeline.
0: Okay, excellent. And then walk us through your solution in like a paragraph or a verbal paragraph or less, just so we don't get off off the rails on it and who it serves.
1: So essentially uh, we built a platform without getting into all the details. It's a platform that a B2B marketer, the VP of marketing, the head of the management can wake up in the morning, log in, and log off at night uh, and to automate all of the technical, repetitive, mundane tasks they need to execute in order to build sustainable, profitable pipeline for their sales counterparts. That's the most important job for the marketer and that's the job that we, uh, we solve for. They also are going to learn because of experimentation, what works, what doesn't work, what piece of creative works, what content works, for what audience, and they're gonna learn and be able to apply those insights to other areas of the business. Uh, that's what we do. We serve the B2B space only. We don't work with single B2C customer, not because it doesn't work, but because we wanted to specialize in B2B it'd be the only technology um, software that does it for the B2B, complex sales cycle um, type of environment. All of the data sources that we have, our B2B target, targeting graph is fully for B2B. Um, and the companies we serve are beyond being B2B are, I would say, startups. If you look at the audience targeting uh, piece of it, so the meta match. And if you look at the full platform with optimization and everything that is for mid-market, so companies like uh, Yelp, um, Drift, Qualified, um, Zoom, Yelp, you know, RingCentral, launch Darkly, uh, all the way to like the Juniper networks of the world, so, like the larger Cisco's of the world. Um, and we only work with companies who use a modern stack. So they have, it has to be CRM that is Salesforce or HubSpot CRM. And has to be one of the top four marketing automation systems. So Eloqua, HubSpot, Marketo, and Pardot.
0: Okay. So that, yeah, obviously, that, those are some really impressive companies that you're working with. How large is your team?
1: Uh, a little bit less than 100 people. And it's fully remote. About 40% of them are in North America. And the other 60% is across 20 other countries.
0: Okay. Wow. That's awesome. Great diversity there. And then are you bootstrapped or funded? Funded. Okay. Excellent. And so let's, let's go through things, right? Right. Cause like would love to hear your story just on terms of how you got here. And then like, I mean, something that I'm curious about is like how did you create five patents along the way? Like what exactly did that look like? And how did that happen? Cause that's, that's pretty unique. I, I think, I think the uh, scale up show record, I think somebody created 30 patents, but you're still a good company with five. You're in the top, you know, 5%, I would say. So how did you, how did that happen along the way? Walk us through that, man.
1: I think my background and luck. So I'm a, I'm a software engineer. I like to create things uh, and build stuff. And uh, I experienced building stuff from early on. And so I like to invent. And because of that, uh, I think we ended up building a little monster of a technology in the B2B marketing world.
0: All right, Gil. So, you know, would love to hear your journey and how you got here. And one of the things that kind of like what we talked about that I thought was pretty cool in the pre-show is is your five patents along the way. So how did that happen? What was your journey and and how did you build the company?
1: Cool. So my background, I'm a software engineer, right? And so I like to invent, I like to innovate. Uh, That's kind of my comfort zone. So the first thing I knew I have uh, going for me is the ability to create a technology that is, very innovative and creates a lot of value. Um, I knew I'm gonna be the first mover building this type of technology. And so I wanted to protect it. Um, And one of the ways to protect it is by issuing patents and showing the investors that there's unique technology here that doesn't exist otherwise. Uh, I had the luck of meeting this dude, um, Dan Hussein, who is my patent um, person, he has a patent company. And from the first meeting, I knew that he, is going to do well. And indeed, five out of five patents got approved. Um, and yeah, for us, it's one, of the, it's one of the big differentiators. Like, no one has the technology that we have. Uh, and so I wanted to make sure this is the moat that is going to be long term for us.
0: That's cool, because I mean, nobody's really talked about that on the show before about as a moat. They talk about a data moat, they talk about a user moat, they talk about a following moat. So patents is a really interesting way. Um, and so like, I guess you, you had a unique approach to the market um, how did you know, and I guess what was the process of just getting those patents and how did it work? I mean, we don't need to talk about the whole show about patents, but it, you just got me curious now. So, and using it as a mo.
1: So yeah, I, when I, so I, when I worked at Kubo as a VP of marketing, I worked for this company that was a big data company. And many of the companies who were using our data platform were ad tech and martech companies in the B2C world. And they were using all these Mm. state-of-the-art technology like machine learning and big data and just like a a lot of technology that was completely not available for the B2B marketer. Um, And so once I had, I saw it's possible in the B2C world. And I basically, once I realized this is not at all available in the B2B world, I mapped the entire thing. One of the things I also use patents for, by the way, is to draw the innovation roadmap for the company. So, you know, as a CEO, you can get lost very quickly with a million other things that you're doing, operating the business, sales, marketing, culture, people management, fundraising, so on and so forth. How do you not forget to innovate? Patents was my way. I would sit down and just write down the diagrams and the algorithms and the biz logic of how I want the technology to work every time one step ahead of where we are, or two or three steps ahead of where we are. And then the product will do the roadmap and then the engineer will exec- execute on it. Um, yeah, it's been it's been proven as a really good way of keeping the innovation um, as a stronghold for us, and so that's really how it happened.
0: Love that, man. Okay, so let's talk a little bit deeper about you know your market because it's so funny. And when what year was this? I should say. Let me take a second. What year was that when you're like, dude, there's nothing like this in the B2B market. We got to jump all over this. Like, what year was that?
1: 2015. 2015 is the year I collected enough evidence that this is possible. I switched to becoming a consultant just to get over the psychological hurdle of not being a full-time employee. I made my existing employee my first customer and essentially I started a consultancy and I remember I was invited to Bessemer Venture Partners uh, event with like 20 CMOs and I was talking about this concept of you know using experimentation and data to completely automate all the uh, pipeline creation for B2B companies. And I had like four or five hands raised of people who wanted to hear more wanted to learn more. And so I told them, well, great, I have a company. that That's what we do. And of course that was not true. Uh, but in the lunch break, I went on LinkedIn and changed my title to Founder, a Domain at 3 a.m. in the morning after 100 trials with GoDaddy. And that's how I started.
0: All right, Gil, so one of the things you mentioned in the intro was just about how you're growing the company and how you're leveraging your profile or your platform for 75% of your business, right? And then you're comboing it with the 25% outbound. Um, Whether it's included in your go-to-market strategy or just as a whole, because you have a unique background in terms of development and marketing, what would you say is the single best strategy that you've seen work well in terms of of growing companies, specifically with high ACB accounts?
1: There are a few tactics that we see work well. I would say a tactic that is short-term gains. Uh, we found conversational ads on LinkedIn. Uh, we actually wrote a playbook on it, um, and we won an innovation award for it. It's basically combining like a drift chatbot and email in LinkedIn. Uh, it's very good for B2B because you can basically pre-select the companies and the people who are going to get your messages, and it's going to be on the top of their inbox. Um, that's a very quick, quick and dirty and very short-term gain. You can offer a gift card in return for a qualified meeting, let me tell you, it can fill up your the calendar of your sales teams. That's one that is super easy to to use and implement. One that is long term is content. I know it's probably the most cliché thing to say, but if you if you're a content machine, um, and I just I, I mean, I don't mean like just like fluffy SEO content. I mean, think about the conversations that people are having. The B two B marketer who have your target market, the conversation that for us B two B marketers are having, and you talk about the most critical, controversial topics, like the, re- the relationship between MVP of marketing and CEO, attribution, dark funnel. And you talk about those and you create full pages with either data and opinion or playbooks. We found those to be so useful. For example, we release once every six months, this um, data set that is anonymized and has all the data about B2B advertising. Um, like what call to actions work better and colors in the background and things like that, it's, it takes off like crazy. Uh, that, that content type of strategy, and you give it for free, by the way, don't give and block it and, and gate it. No, you just, you give it, you give the data set, you give the analysis, uh, that's another one. And the final one I would say that, that is becoming one big one for us is PLG. It's just the simple act, well, I guess it's not simple, but it's the act of removing barriers to access your product. You don't have to talk to sales. You don't have to talk to this person to be qualified. You don't have to ask us for pricing. Everything is out there. And if you want, get started immediately, get started immediately. That became a huge um, a huge pool of uh, demand for us.
0: I love all three of those. So just to recap, you had the uh, the chat, the con- or I should say the, uh, the I don't wanna say the chat bot, but it's almost like a conversation ad on LinkedIn, right? With, um, I think I heard you say it comboed with a gift card. Uh, long-term is content. I like that either doing the opinion piece or the playbook and then PLG removing the barriers so that people get started immediately without any friction, right? Call it the Amazon motion, if you will. I guess like, like when you say remove friction, right? Um, And you say, don't have to talk to sales. What other areas have you looked at in terms of removing friction with the PLG? And then how do you attract people to your product uh, through that motion?
1: We actually haven't done any promotion just yet. That's what I meant. Like just by removing the barrier and allowing customers who are either in a sales motion, looking, about, looking into metadata and ABM, our G2 looking at demand generation or getting an email from an SDR. If until that day, you would only be able to schedule a demo and talk to sales. And from that day, you can put your credit card and start using the platform immediately. That change by itself was crazy. The the first promotion that we did was basically put a header, like a small, you know, like promotional tab on the homepage that it's available. Um, We really haven't done anything yet. We're really just, we're like in month two on that project.
0: So what happened, I think I lost you a little bit here. So what happened, you said you're on month two on that project, but um, so what what I heard you say is, they get access no matter what, right? No matter what stage they're at, to be able to start using the platform immediately. Uh, and, and that's really working and, and taking off well, I guess. Like, what kind of results are you seeing from that?
1: I would tell you that we expected to see like a handful of uh, trials coming in and we got like a few dozens within weeks. Uh, and so we realized the demand for our platform when we remove the barrier of having to talk to someone in order to get access, the demand is there. Uh, and now I have more conviction than ever to continue that trend and let, let companies just self-qualify. Just use it and see if it works for you. If it works for you, great. If you want to upgrade, awesome. If you want to only use a piece of it, because that's what works for you at your current stage, that's okay as well.
0: Okay. All right. So- that makes a lot of sense, and I love that, love that approach. So um, what would you say is the single biggest challenge, though? It sounds like a lot of things are going really well for you. What, what do you think is the single biggest challenge with, with what you're doing right now?
1: Um, I think may, making the business sustainable, which is something that we started tackling a few quarters ago when we saw the market is going sideways. We said, okay, let's find out, let's learn the lessons and make the changes we need to make Instead of five years from now, now. Um, and so making sure we just reduced our CAC in the past 12 months by more than a third. Uh, we're working on increasing retention, making the product super sticky. We, we are working on the messaging. How do we make AI not a frightening message? Uh, because we really are replacing the technical, repetitive, mundane tasks that people are doing. And sometimes they feel like they, their career is at stake. And then um, there is the issue of MarTech, which is VPs of marketing change their job every year and a half. So on one hand, it's great because we have our our champions who in five years have three different jobs and they take us immediately to the next job. But the curse is that you have to sell your platform again to the new person that is in charge. And so multi-trading an account and learning all the complexities around that we just started investing in it. You know, we just have, in the past few months, we just have the first account management team really start, started really investing in those, uh, in those areas. So I'm excited to get to operational excellency in that aspect, because once you get there, when you, when you, when you press on the gas and grow, you know, move into hyper growth again, it's just a lot less stressful because you see it's like it's a healthy organism that is growing and not like one with a still a bunch of holes in it.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, you're, you're doing the right things. You're in all the efficiency metrics and then just building the foundation for the next stage of your journey. So I think that's amazing. I guess like just to kind of, we're, we're getting almost up on time. Uh, and so I guess just to, to, to wrap things up, I guess, like you've been working with AI for a while. You have obviously numerous patents on it. Where do you see the future of business going with all the AI tools, and to democratization of AI over the next six to 12 months? I mean, what do you see happening? and um, What do you see the impact in terms of jobs and, and kind of life as we know it?
1: I think in general, safety is guaranteed to people who are comfortable with change and are adapting to change. So the more comfortable you are uh, leading and riding the way of AI versus trying to fight it and prove why you are doing a better job because that's gonna be temporary. It's gonna be the way to go. I am for one, not afraid at all of AI. Um, The one thing that I sometimes have concern is humans using AI, uh, but in business, I'm not worried about it. Uh, I think one of some of the trends that we see that we're already incorporating in metadata as well is generative AI, the ability to just generate content, images, creatives, Uh, And that's great. And one of the areas that we invested very early on is for AI not to provide data or insight because humans get to analysis paralysis very quickly with AI systems that provide insight, but actually skip that and move to the next step and say, I'm going to take the action for you. If I already have more data for you and I can analyze data faster than you, trust me in taking the action. Uh, And that's the stage that I think AI becomes the most exciting it actually does the work for you and you can orchestrate the AI agents to do the work for you versus doing the work yourself.
0: Totally agree on that. So I, yeah, I, I think it's, you're right. So many, so much data, so much insights, nothing happens. Right. But I, I think right now I, and I've seen this in numerous areas, people want to be as lazy as possible and get the job done. And so they just want the outcome and um, there's, a, there's use cases where that's starting to happen. So uh, Gil, it was really a pleasure having you on the show. Where can people find you? Where can they learn more about you and metadata? And then we'll wrap things up, ma'am.
1: Thank you, Ryan. It was really cool. If you want to learn more about the platform, we really do have a very easy free trial, easy way to enter and try the product for one month with no commitment, and that is metadata.io. Uh, and then if you want to contact me, I always like talking to founders and entrepreneurs. I always find it to be uh, therapeutical, even to an extent. And so I'm at at gil.metadata.io, happy to talk to you.
0: Excellent, man. We'll we'll put that in the show notes, and it was a pleasure having you on the show, and uh, we look forward to seeing you all in the next episode. Thank you for checking out The Scale-Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering